you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? Winning the SEC, Probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Mike Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Falls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. I'm back. Hey, how you doing, Shane? <laughs> oh, man, I'm I'm better, man. A little under the weather yesterday. Uh, I think I could have got away with the pod. I was just afraid my boss would listen and be like, wait. You had to leave early, but you still potting it up, so I didn't do that. <laughs> Crack open a beer. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of that, uh, what what are you drinking on this episode, Shane? Yeah, buddy, I popped out a. Uh, this is game week, son. So I went with some cool looking cans, and I got Voodoo Ranger. Ooh. It's Imperial IPA, canned in New Belgium Brewing in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, mm. and Asheville, North Carolina. So apparently we're getting a lot of beer from over there. But uh, <laughs> the one thing that really stood out besides, I was telling you, it's a cool, it's got a skeleton on the front of it. So it's a killer can, literally. And uh, it's 9%, buddy. Nine. Ooh. So, yeah, it's you might rock. be woozy by the end of this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's game week, buddy. You can't hold anything back now. Hey, well, speaking of that, I got great news. I, this is not even news I've even shared with Shane yet, but... For the podcast listeners, it is game week, obviously. There's been a ton of feedback with our Tennessee multicolored koozies. So I've went out, Shane, and for all the listeners out there, because we're the SEC pod, we like to support as many teams as we can, unlike many others out there. I've gone ahead and I've ordered more multicolored team-specific koozies we got koozies for Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Arkansas, and Auburn coming our way. More to come down the road. We're talking several hundred dollars. I can't do all 14 at, at, this, at this moment, but I wanted to get those fan bases. Those are the ones that reached out to me and, and said they wanted the koozies more than the rest. So those are the ones we're going with. So once again, if you're a fan of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Arkansas, Auburn, get those five-star written reviews in. You are going to have a team-colored, multi-colored koozie headed your way. It's just a way of, of us saying thanks. And if your team's not mentioned, start a GoFundMe page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
We'll get to you. We'll get to you eventually. No, we'll but get uh, to it. we'll get to it. I appreciate, it, man. We've got a ton of reviews flying in. Those really do help us out. I mean, that's it, man. That, that's what helps us out. We want to help you out by sending you some cool ass koozies. Uh, I haven't even got the new koozie yet, and I've put in like ten reviews, so I'm still waiting for mine. <laughs> right, and shout out to uh, cousin uh, Jonathan for helping pay for those as well. So he's contributing oh, the way he can to make this podcast grow. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to get that note out there. Really fired up for uh, everything we got going on into the season. But hey, buddy, we got a lot to get to. Joe's sitting out there on the beach drinking <laughs> coconut water. Just he, he apple paid us a few hundos so we can get you guys crazy. Thanks, thanks, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. So thanks again, Jonathan, for doing that. That really is going to help yeah. out, I think, a ton. Yeah. But hey, uh, speaking of keeping it in the family, Shane, before we go around the league here, Anybody that missed it, Coach O, featured on 60 Minutes. There was some gold from this damn interview. And uh, him talking about, you know, trying to get into coaching. We'll have that clip. But uh, my favorite clip, old Coco Ogeron, Coach O's mom, asked about what it was like watching her son beat Alabama last year. What did LSU football mean to this family? It was a big part of our family, but it wasn't something we could go and and go to the game for. Why not? You know, we could not afford these. Uh, you know, that was an outing. It was expensive. You couldn't get a ticket even. When his son asked for tickets to an LSU game, Ed Ogeron Sr. delivered the ultimate pep talk. He said, son, we can't afford that. But let me tell you something. If you keep on working, you won't need a ticket to get into Tiger Stadium. Ogeron did get in. LSU gave him a football scholarship. But homesick and overwhelmed by the big campus, he quit after two weeks and hightailed it back to the bayou. The next day my daddy woke me up at 6 o'clock in the morning, so let's go, we're going to work. I was digging ditches. And people were passing on the side of the road. You quitter. You couldn't take it. It was the worst day of my life. But my father just looked at me and said, dig. He'd dig his way back to Baton Rouge, of course, but it took him 35 years to go those 75 miles. First, he transferred to play for Northwestern State, and then, after graduation, took volunteer coaching jobs while moonlighting in the hull of a shrimp boat. And I'll never forget, man, we shovel shrimp from 5 in the morning to 10 at night. I had a shovel in my hand, and the uh, phone rang. And he goes, hey, man, they have an uh, assistant strength coach job at Arkansas. Do you want it? I said, hold on. I took the shrimp shovel, shoot, I threw it in the bayou, and I said, hell yeah. He said, okay, man, you got to be here by Monday. I said, I got one question for you. He said, what? I said, where the hell's Arkansas, man? <laughs> now back home in Louisiana, Coach O isn't just understood, he's appreciated. Ogeron was hired as an LSU assistant in 2015 and promoted to head coach the following year earning an annual salary that's now swelled to $7 million. And Ogeron cemented his status when the Tigers beat rival Alabama for the first time in eight years, delighting fans, one in particular. What do you remember about LSU beating Alabama last year? (laughs) You know, I love their stadium. I don't care for what the people say. They're kind of loud and boisterous. But when we won, I... Enjoyed the living hell out of it. <laughs> I'm getting a sense of what it must be like to sit on that couch and watch a game with you. Oh, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
and you could just sense it. I mean, uh-huh. this, that's what SEC mamas are like. I mean, there's you think the the coaches in the Big Ten, their mom really gives a shit about beating the rival. I mean, <laughs> no, sir, they don't they don't live and breathe it like they do here in the SEC. You know what? Absolutely, man. How how awesome would Christmas be at that house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody soused up, even Coco's over there. Get off my lucky couch, you know. I just, I think it's, I think it's awesome, man. That's what this is about. It's about family. It's about football. It's about fun, man. And and, and it's it's coming to a head, buddy. We've got a lot of action this week. Absolutely. You want to get right to it, Shane? You ready to go around the league? Yes. Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. At Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, so, uh, you know, longtime listeners know how we like to do the show here, but uh, maybe... You know, I think we've picked up quite a few listeners during the offseason, but the way we do it during the season as much as we can. Hell, we had like nine press conferences today, so we don't want to just slam the show with all those. The way we do it is, for example, we're going to start here in Athens. Kirby Smart spoke as well as Sam Pittman. So we like to pit the two head coaches head-to-head because those are the teams going head-to-head. So... Like I said, we'll start here in Athens. And, of course, first question off the dock here for old Kirby was about JT Daniels and his status moving forward. Dewan Mathis, is he the guy uh, on the impact of losing Jamie Newman, what that did for the Bulldogs during camp? And I, I thought this was an interesting question. A lot of coaches got this one, but um, I think Georgia coach Kirby Smart kind of handled it the best, talking about preparing for the road noise here in the SEC with uh, obviously the you know the attendance policies limited and everything and they're going to be pumping in crowd noise so let's kick it over to Kirby Smart. Kirby um, I guess I'll just ask about JT uh, has he been cleared uh, what where does that stand? Yeah we hope JT will be cleared uh, by Saturday officially. What can you say about the quarterback situation are you willing to give us anything on that? Yeah, I'm excited uh, about the guys that have competed. They've all done a good job. Um, they've all taken reps. Stetson, Carson, uh, JT, and DeWan have all done a good job. And excited to see those guys go out and play. Hey, Coach. Um, just um, one more quarterback question for you. Uh, as far as DeWan goes, uh, you should talk about the work he's put in during camp to at least put himself in position to, to play on Saturday. Yeah, DeWan's done a great job. He has uh, – embraced every opportunity he's competed he's gotten better um he's very talented with his feet he understands what we're asking him to do um you know i i think he's done a great job preparing and, and so has carson stetson and jt they, they really all have done a good job preparing for this moment and i feel comfortable with all those guys 
Herbie, as it relates to crowd noise or, or just ambient noise or whatever, what are y'all prepared? What are y'all preparing for? Um, are you preparing for a lot of pumped in noise and how much, how much do you think the tens of thousands or whatever the number is will, will affect y'all um, on the road? I don't know that we have a complete grasp of that. We know what they're allowed to use in terms of decibels and we've practiced with that noise amount. Um, we practice from time to time with music and different things on just to change it up and try to get used, used to and acclimated um, to those things. So we understand the rules of what you're allowed to pump in prior to a snap. Um, don't really know how to gauge what that number of people might actually uh, be able to create. But um, if you're prepared uh, for crowd noise and the levels that we've played at in the past, uh, we feel comfortable that that preparation will cover what we're going to have in this situation. Hey, Kirby. Um, in addition to everything else you and every coach have had to deal with this offseason, uh, you also had a starting, presumed starting quarterback opt out halfway through camp. I'm, I'm just wondering how much, if at all, did that set you back and potentially at least could impact you in the early part of the season with the offense? Well, with the rotation we had going, it probably didn't impact us as much as it would have had he been there the entire time. You know, we had many camp days, I call them, one through I think 10 or one through 11, that he wasn't able to go in um, throughout the first half of those. The, the later part is when he got there. So we were able to give those reps to other guys um, and we're probably fortunate that it happened when it happened in terms of trying to get a guy ready because if it had gone, you know, up until this point or even later, I can't imagine where we would be. But um, those reps would have been uh, doled out between the other guys, so they certainly would have got more. And it was a concern of ours uh, when you start thinking about spring practice not being there and being able to get the reps. Um, but we've got to go with what we got, and we're excited about what we've got. And we got to do a good job because we know that whoever it is is not going to be a guy that sat there and played uh, in a lot of football games, especially at the SEC level. And we got to be able to manage that, and uh, we got to play to our strengths. So that's what I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see a lot of these offensive players that got to play against Baylor uh, go out and, and play with uh, a new quarterback. Coach, could I get your thoughts real quick on uh, George Pickens and just as you get ready to get up, start this new season, how you feel like how far he's progressed since last year? Uh, I think he has a really good grasp of the overall entire system. I think at times last year, you know, he was a – guy that you had to put in a certain place and really explain what to do. I think he understands a lot more now about the bigger picture. What, what route, what route is the other guy running? What is the coverage? What does the coverage do to change my route? Um, how, how do I affect uh, the play? Am I the primary on this play? Am I the secondary on this play? He, he has a better understanding of all those things. And um, that's important to the rest of our offense. And uh, George is a talented player uh, that can make us better in other ways than just catching the ball. All right, Chase, so this is just old classic Kirby, isn't it? I mean, JT Dales, he'll probably be cleared by game time. Maybe, we're hoping. But, I mean, we can't even – he can't even divulge who's going to be healthy for this damn opener, can he? No, no, he's keeping it close. I mean, he, think about it, Mike. He doesn't have a lot to hide from Sam Pittman, a guy that was literally just there. He knows exactly <laughs> what this team has. The only wild card is JT. And you're going to hear it when coach talks here in a minute. It's, it, it's, it's that one little, you know, wild card that he can, that he can keep close to his chest. So I don't blame him for doing it, but I think we all know how this thing's going to play out. Right. Well, I mean, I think just based on everything you're hearing, it's gotta be Dewan Mathis. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be the starting quarterback. But after hearing these clips, that's what I was going to ask you, Shane. Any chance in your mind JT Daniels starts? And any chance JT Daniels plays in this game? No, I don't think so, man. And I'm going to tell you why. Because George has been – you know, one thing I love, Mike, especially when it's game week – is freaking hot videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love jumping on here, and I love seeing it. Georgia's been been throwing out some doozies, man. You're getting to see. I, I, if you haven't been to Georgia's Twitter handle lately, they've got some great content coming out. You know, you're seeing uh, some of this, some of these defenders. You know, taking it personal <laughs> against George Pickens. Mm-hmm. You know, and I did not see JT throwing any balls. Did you? No, I mean, not so at all. I, I doubt Kirby's going to be like, you know what? We're just not, we're not going to practice him at all and just throw him out here against Arkansas. No, I, I, I think that, I think the quarterback decision has been made. And, uh, I, I, I'm telling you, dude, there are some freak athletes on that Georgia bull bulldog team. And, and, and it all starts on the outside. I think, you know, now that Jamar chase is gone, I, and this isn't really a bold statement, but I'm telling you right now, George is the best quarterback in the country, or the wide receiver in the country, if you ask me. I mean, George Pickens, you think he's going to be that good this year? He's that good. I mean, the, the, now I know it's just some, uh, they're going to put the, uh, the, the, you know, the Superman catches when he's out there, but just seeing him, I mean, because he's not going against scrubs, man. He's going against the best defenders in the country, right. and he made them look like peewees. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to buy in, and it doesn't matter who's quarterback, long as they can get it in the vicinity of of George Pickens. I think he's going to come down. He's that kind of talent. I, he's put, he's put some weight on. He just looks, he just looks good, man. So. Yeah, that that's an absolute unit out there on the outside. And no Georgia Tech on the schedule for him to fight. So, you know, he's going to be available, you know, for oh, these games. Shit. I got to say this right right quick, you know. I'm with Georgia. I hate Georgia Tech. You know, I, I just – did you watch that game? Unfortunately. I, I listen I listen to you talk a little bit, man. Saturday sucked, okay. I, I, I My pick's back, you know. I had a chance. I, I thought this is going to be the year that Shane's going to actually make some money, but no. And it all is because of Georgia Tech. And it's like, what are you doing out there? So, like they were doing great. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? We did everything we could, you know, <laughs> let's wrap it up. It's third quarter. So, and then I'm watching this game. It's just absolute garbage. Actually, I'm with you, man. Some of the comments you made uh, on on the last pod, I thought this weekend was miserable. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sitting here, Mike, and I'm watching Miami and Louisville, two teams I absolutely hate. If they could both lose, that would be a win for me. But it's like it's the only thing on. It's college football. I've got to watch it. You know, that's how much I love college football is I sat through that. And uh, and what that was like one of the better games of the weekend. I, I'm just so ready for SEC football. And, and it's so nice hearing these coaches like Kirby come out and talk about Arkansas and Sam Pittman. And it's Sam Pittman talk. I mean, we're here. We're not we're not talking about the development of their team anymore. We're talking about game script, game patterns. And uh, I mean, we're just a few days away from watching some real college football, buddy. Yeah, we talked about these other games being like an appetizer. It's almost like they made you suffer through about 
three, four hours of an appetizer before yeah. getting to the main This is course. like a, it's like a damn Cobb salad they bring out. <laughs> Who the hell likes Cobb salad, you know? But it's like, we just ate Cobb salad for two weeks. I'm ready for the meat, all right? Like a Brazilian steakhouse. You ever been one of those? Oh, yeah. Dude, and you got those coasters, and it's green, it's go. It's go time, baby. <laughs> Don't bring no chicken over here. I want the filet, baby. <laughs> well, we're getting it here in uh, Fayetteville, so let's jump on down to Arkansas. Woo, Pete! Oh, we're saying Pittman also spoke to the media, like I said, and, uh, you know, he was cracking me up here, not knowing who Georgia's going to start at quarterback, having to prepare for all these different guys on how nervous he is for his first game. And I thought... You know, it was nice to see him be open and honest with this question, I thought. Uh, the matchups on the offense and defensive line going up against Georgia, who you know the Bulldogs are going to have, you know, an extreme, extreme advantage in that aspect. But maybe Sam Pittman knows a little bit something that, uh, you know, to help the Razorbacks. And then finally on Georgia having the best defense in the nation. And their quarterback situation, it looks like maybe Mathis might get the first snaps. Have you all got a sense there? No, I haven't had a personal conversation with Kirby and ask him who he's going to start. I mean, I think you're guessing as much as we are. Uh, um, but I can guarantee you, you're not you or us or anybody else going to know who that starting quarterback is from Georgia until he runs out there. And uh, that's Kirby's belief. And and uh, that's what it should be. If that's what he believes, that's that's what it should be. Sam, is there a contrast in styles in the two quarterbacks as far as how your defense prepares? Absolutely. I mean, uh, with JT Daniels, I mean, you, you go back and watch the Fresno State game uh, from last season. I mean, he's just throwing darts and, and can throw at any angle. He's a shortstop. He's a right fielder. He can, he can do anything he wants with football. And, uh, of course, DeJuan, uh you know, I was there at Georgia with DeWan, and we know what kind of arm he has, uh, but he would be maybe a little bit more of a double threat, a dual threat, because he certainly can run. He can actually fly. He's really fast. And uh, and uh, to be honest with you, guys, I'm really excited. If he plays against us, I'm excited. I'm excited for him uh, because he had uh, surgery uh, that – might not allow him to play, and he's come a long way. And uh, certainly, we we're not wanting to play against him because he's such a talented young man. But we're uh, I'm certainly thrilled that he has been cleared and and is ready to get his football career back on course. Um, wonderful kid, Coach Carlos Chica with Azteca America. It's a first. It's a first year here as a coach two things how nervous are you about the first game and how worried about you about the first game <laughs> well I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I was nervous you know I think but I'm nervous I was nervous when I was an O-line coach too um, nervousness comes from just making sure that you're prepared in every way you possibly can be and and a guy that's probably not nervous probably won't be quite as prepared as he needs to be. Um, hey, Coach, just the – we all know this is a line of scrimmage league. Their defensive line, how how critical is it to 
hit them, hit them quick and, and try to move them a little bit to get what you want to do offensively. And then flip side, their offense, you were, you recruited a lot of those guys, coached them. Um, what do you know about their line and, and what you need to do defensively? Yeah. Their D-line starts with Jordan Davis. I mean, he is a big, athletic, great guy, by the way, but um, just a big, athletic guy, that hard to move, you know. But their D-line with um, Devontae Wyatt and Malik Herring and Travion Walker and Aziz Ojolari, um they're really good. They're really big, you know. Um, so we're going to have our hands full. We're going to try to find ways to double team them. Uh, we're going to have to. And uh, then we're going to have to at least get a stalemate on some one-on-one -on -one blocking situations. And hopefully we can move them a little bit. And, and uh, hopefully we can tire them out. They've got a lot of guys that can move in and out of there. So uh, very, very, very talented, well-coached. Uh, uh, defensive line on the O-line, you know, even though they lost several starters, they have a lot of guys that's played a lot of ball there, uh, starting in the middle with Trey Hill, probably as good a center as there is in the country. And then, you know, Jamari Sawyer's played a lot of ball, really good player, draftable kid. I mean, just really good football player. And then uh, Justin Schaefer is going to be uh, at the left guard probably. And then Ben Cleveland, who started a lot of games, who's, a freak of nature, you know, at 340 pounds. And then their right tackle, I don't know exactly what they're going to do at right tackle, but Owen Condon's from over here in Oklahoma, uh, Xavier Trust, somebody in there. They're, they're going to be uh, as good as, as anybody else on both sides of the ball that we play. Yeah, Coach, you've already talked a little bit about their D-line, but Georgia's defense as a whole, I think I saw one metric ahead of them as the, the top defense in the country. What are your overall thoughts on the defense, and are there any weaknesses? My thought would be that whoever said they were, they're correct. Um, they run, you know, Monty Rice, their linebacker, you know, they have a lot of really great players, but – uh, Richard LeCount runs that defense along with Monty Rice and Eric Stokes is such a great cover corner and they, um, they're just really, really talented. Uh, but the thing that they do as good as anybody in the country is they run the football. And then when they get there, they're going to let you know they're there. Uh, so uh, we're going to have to out, we're going to try to, we're going to have to outstrain them. We're going to have to try to be physical. We're going to have to do all these things that they're going to do because that's, they're going to try to come in here and intimidate us. It's what they're going to try to do. And I know that because I've coached there for the last four years. All right, Shane. So, you know, there was one other clip. I didn't want to use it, but uh, just because, you know, we went through a lot there with Sam Pittman. But one of the questions he did get asked was, you know, one of the Georgia people asked Kirby, you know, after the opener, you got a lot of tough games. You know, like how are you going to basically say that like Arkansas is a damn tune-up cupcake game? Uh, but here, I think I don't know. I don't. I'm not ready to say it's going to be, you know, like some kind of upset of the week or anything. But I think Sam Pittman, with his knowledge of Georgia, with these coaches he's got, while you know they're talking, we don't know what Georgia's going to be doing. Yeah. I think Georgia doesn't know what Arkansas is going to be doing either. So, I don't know. I think they're going to have something for him, and I think they're going to be ready to play, unlike 
you know, imagine last year's coaching staff. I think they would have lost this game by a hundred. Yeah, and I think that's what Pittman knows. And I mean, he's got he's got he's got talent on his roster. He knows that, but he knows exactly what Georgia has. So he knows their strength, and he knows if they've got any weakness. So he's definitely going to try to exploit all of that. But still, that's a tall glass of water, man. And and uh, you know, Arkansas is going to have their hands full. But Sam's going to come out, man. First off, I, I just love the way that he talks about these players, you know, even though he's on a new team, mm-hmm. it's still his guys. You know, he, it, it's, it's tough when you've recruited and you've, you've been in the trenches with some of these linemen and uh, some of these athletes, you've been in the living rooms talking to their parents, you know, that, you know, Sam could have came out and just, you know, did coach speak, but he didn't, man. He just, he talks about, he, I think he genuinely loves all these players on both sides. Now, obviously, after a few years, uh, he he won't have that that relationship anymore because he's no longer on that on that squad. But mm-hmm. that just goes to show you what kind of coach Sam Pittman is, and that's the kind of coach I'd want to play for. Somebody that truly believes in you that that would do anything for you to make sure you succeed, and uh, uh, just some great words there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I can't wait for to see what this Razorback team looks like. Like I said, SEC didn't catch them, or SEC didn't give them any favors. Damn, starting out <laughs> the gate here, but no, I wouldn't define the Razorbacks by just this week one. Other than I think you're going to see a, I think you're going to see a, a renewed level of fight from this team that you just didn't see last year. Yeah, Arkansas has got to get back to physical ball, man, mm-hmm. and I think that's what Sam's focused on. So. I'm I'm very interested. I want to see, because, you know, honestly, because Arkansas has one of the better running backs in the league. I I, I think that they're going to – I mean, they've got talent, man. You've got Boyd. You've got Knox. you got – what's the other guy's name? Uh, Burks. Burks. You know, I mean, they've got plenty of weapons to to make Georgia uncomfortable for sure. It's just how do you utilize it? And I think that's the advantage of having a coach like Sam Pittman that was just there at Georgia. I mean, there's gonna have to be a certain way that they they try to, you know, get the best players the ball. So uh, I'm interested and man. Felipe Franks, he's got a lot to prove this year. You know this yeah, is absolutely man. Not saying that there's no chance he doesn't come back, but I think this is for him, you know, he's looking at this like a one year prove it deal to where he can get to the NFL. So he's going to come out with a renewed sense of passion too, I think as well. Yeah. It's a contract year for Felipe, huh? Exactly. (laughs) Hey Shay. Well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by my bookie, the online sports book, head on over to mybookie.ag today. All new customers receive a hundred percent deposit match up to a thousand dollars. That means if you're a new customer to mybookie.ag and you put in the promo code that SEC, that's T H A T S E C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000. So you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some, some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code that 
SEC. All right, so well, speaking of Felipe, let's uh, kick it down to his old stomping grounds in Gainesville. Where Dan Mullen met with the media, and uh, it's it's interesting that uh, old Dan Mullen's facing Ole Miss once again, and this time in Oxford. We all know the history there <laughs> with Dan Mullen and Mississippi State and that Egg Bowl rivalry and how heated that thing got at times. But uh, Coach Mullen was asked about the, the progress of his offensive line and if Florida's going to be able to run downhill this year. You know, I think that that could really be the key as much as we've hyped up Kyle Trask and the weapons he's got to work with. If Florida gets into these games, like the Georgia game specifically is the one that stands out in my mind, potentially if they see Alabama in an SEC championship game or something, they have got to be able to run the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. they they were scared to death of Georgia last year running the ball. They're, they're just not going to get it done if they're doing it that way. So there's there's hoping that the offensive line is a lot better this year. Maybe they'll be able to pull that off. Uh, Dan Mullen also talked about his memories of Old Miss. He had some good stuff here. He scouts uh, the Rebels a little bit. I thought this was kind of funny. I'll, I'll tell you why on the other side. And then uh, on his recruiting of John Rice Plumley during his time, I think he's talking about when he was at Mississippi State. So let's kick it over to Dan Mullen. John Hevesy said the O-line's made a lot of strides. Uh, you know, the experience they've had shown. Um, do you feel like you're going to finally have a downhill running game this year and not have to, like, scheme to run the ball like you've maybe had to the last two years? Well, I think a lot, two years ago we ran the ball pretty well, I thought. Um, last year, not as well. So... Uh, I don't know. We'll find out on Saturday if, <laughs> you know, how well we run the ball. You know, like I said, I mean, if you would ask me going into the season last year, I thought, boy, we can really run the ball downhill. And, you know, we're pretty physical up front. And it just didn't turn out that way in games. We were much better passing and uh, doing other things. If you had asked me the year before that, I didn't know we were as good a running team as we were coming into the season. We ended up being a pretty darn good running team. Um so I think uh, I, I think a lot of it you don't know until you start playing other people because you just kind of gone against yourself so much, uh, you know. And, and you know the offense and the defense kind of know each other. They know how to play against each other. They know their opponents. And I think sometimes it gets skewed the wrong way on what you do well and what you do poorly. And did you know you, you get into games, you find out a little bit more. Did, did you get a chance to talk to some college? NFL coaches maybe about like generating energy without big crowds yes uh yeah it's interesting you know I've talked to people and you know um one is going to see because we are going to have people in the crowd in the stands uh you know and you talk to people the difference when there are people in the stands compared to when there aren't people in the stands uh and how different that is uh and the different feeling of everything and so we're going to have some people in the stands, but it's still going to, even with people in the stands, it's going to be very different than what you're used to. And so we, we've talked about that and kind of prepared our guys for, for that. Hey, Dan, I was wondering if you've had any players opt out. Nope. Thank you. Yeah. But it's only Monday. Matt Baker? Oh, only Monday. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Ole Miss on Saturday. Um, my understanding is you have some sort of uh, history um, go, go back and forth with them. So what's kind of your uh, – any favorite memories or, or games of the school up north? Oh, wow. I mean, bunch. I mean, you're talking – I mean, you're talking the, the Mississippi State Ole Miss game. Uh, 
I mean, it was one of the great rivalries in sports. So to be involved in that, uh, such a such a huge huge deal. Uh, so, yeah, I think I have a I have five great memories and four terrible memories. I think of that game uh, of of playing against them. So. Uh, you know, anytime you win, I mean, holding that trophy up when you win the, that Egg Bowl trophy is something that's really, really, really special. And But anything, you know, rivalries are one of the things, rivalry, you look at the rivalries, you look at the traditions, that's, those are things that make college football so great and so special, the passion of the fans. Um, you know, and you have in-state rivalries, you're talking neighbor against neighbor. And so um, I have a bunch of good ones, I have a couple bad ones too, so the, uh, you know, in, in that game. So it's... Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's different now. You know what I mean? I mean, everyone's like, you know, I mean, like, I don't think I said Old Miss for nine years, but now I, I say it. But that was just all part of the rivalry. And, you know, it became a, boy, it became a pretty big deal. You know what I mean? It wouldn't, I think uh, early on it was kind of, when I first got there, teams kind of kind of fighting for their identity. And then all of a sudden, during the time when, when I was there, I mean, both teams became top 10, you know, national programs. And uh, so uh, I think that kind of also, you know, I, I don't know if it, it helped bring it to that level or the rivalry brought it to that level or the intensity got both teams to that next level of playing. But it, it certainly became a, a big deal and it, it became a huge game. I, I don't know. I think I, I, I remember going out to high school once, and the, the a lady, hopefully, the old men, their chair, they like me now. I had a lady come up to me and said, Coach, I pray for you every day. I said, Oh, that's so nice. She goes, she goes I'm an old mess fan. I pray somebody comes, hires you, and gets you the heck out of this state as soon as possible. Uh, no, okay, now that we actually are in game week, though, can you give a little bit of a scouting report on Ole Miss? Well, you know, it's tough. You know, one of the things, you look at the talent players. I mean, they got they have two really talented quarterbacks, great talented running back, uh, some guys on the edge, uh, O-lines, you know, have some, some guys coming back up front on the O-line defensively, you know, inside linebackers with a lot of experience, some guys that can come off the edge and rush the passer. Uh, you know, and some and guys that have played in the secondary. So, you know, they have guys that have been out there, guys that have played. Uh, one of the hard ones is is – you know, I mean, you have a whole new coaching staff. You know, they're looking at us and saying, hey, let's go to last year's film. And same, you know, offense coordinator, defensive coordinator, uh, head coach, special teams coordinators, all the same. And there's everybody's brand new. Uh, so you're kind of trying to mix and match what they're going to do offensively, what they're going to do defensively, what they're going to do special teams-wise. You're watching all these different other teams from where the people have been in the past. And then – um, you know, then you're trying to watch their personnel and, you know, so it's, it's always tricky. I, I, I'm never a big fan of not watching the team you're playing, but it, anytime you play a team with a new staff, that's what you have to do. Hey Dan, um, just looking at Plumlee from last year, really dynamic, um, in, in terms of, like you said, about Corral being able to extend the play. Um, how do you kind of get your guys ready just to, to be sound and prepare for a quarterback that, that can do, you know, run the ball and throw. Well, I think you look at it, the different deal. They're, they're a little different players. Obviously, uh, Plumlee, I, I mean, I know really well. I was, I think, one, I think I was the first person to offer him. Uh, at Mississippi State, back in the day, I mean, he came up, I and mean, he is an explosively fast player. I think we actually were looking at him as a corner. You know, when he first came up, he wasn't, wasn't playing a, 
it wasn't starting a quarterback, but he, he was playing DB, and he was, I mean, he can fly. I mean, he has elite, elite, elite speed and game-breaking. Game he can break a game open at any time. Uh, you know, but then you go to Matt, and Matt can, like you said, can ex- extend and scramble and, and, and play. So it's going to be kind of that, you know, that strain to play all the way to the whistle every single snap. Don't just assume. You know, a lot of times you're in practice, you thud, the whistle blows. Hey, I had him. Hey, that would have been a sack. We can't assume those things. we got to get 11 guys running the ball as hard as we can every snap. Thanks, I don't know if we have anybody. I don't know if we have anybody as fast as him on our team. All right, Shade, so you know, you know, this is kind of coach speak in my opinion, but basically Dan Mullen asked about, you know, scouting the Rebels. He's running down the list of, well, you know, this guy played and this guy, this guy's seen the field and this guy's caught the ball. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> what? I think that's his, uh, you know, he's not going to come out here and call out the Rebels, but I think he knows his team's got uh, a major, major advantage going into this matchup. What do you think? Yeah, I'm telling you, he's got more talent on that roster than he's probably ever had at Mississippi State. So he's excited to go down there and play Ole Miss. <laughs> you know, I mean, just because he's removed from the rivalry, you can't take away all the years of hate that that he's had. You know, and he was one of the worst uh, of manipulating his team to get the most out of them during the Egg Bowl week. So, right. uh, do you remember the this? Was it him that was that? He had the flyers drop down during practice, and uh, they thought that it, it came across like it was Ole Miss uh, dropped a, a playing package, dropped a like you know just like propaganda talking about <laughs> how great they are and stuff like that. But it kind of came out later that it was Coach Mullen. And I may be wrong, but that just that's kind of what Coach Mullen is. You know, this was a heated rivalry, and he always. He always picked on Old Miss, so mm-hmm. uh, he wouldn't even call I, him that. He he called him the school up north. Exactly. So I, I think there's, you know, he, it's probably not coming out. You won't read it in the papers, but God, he still hates his school. You know what I'm saying? So don't be surprised if uh, what's the spread on this game? Have we got there yet? Uh, Fourteen and a half right now, according to my bookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm. I'm telling you, Dan, Dan's got a little – he's got a spot for Ole Miss, so, or the team up north, as you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how he feels about Lane Kiffin. I don't think they're, you know, by any means enemies or anything, but I don't know that they're very close either, dating back to their time mm-hmm. matching up there in the SEC West. But uh, speaking of Kiffin, let's jump on down to Ole Miss. Howdy, toddy, Ole Miss. Where Lane Kiffin uh, – <laughs> I think they woke him up from a nap or something to do this presser because he was just, <laughs> he was not about it. But, hey, good news here for the Rebels. For two weeks in a row, zero COVID positive tests. That's outstanding. And uh, the only reason I kind of call attention to that is because they've had so many issues down there during camp. So, you know, things that continue to progress in the right direction there for the Rebels. Zero players in quarantine even, according to Lane Kiffin. So that's great news. They should have all their guys available outside of potentially Otis Reese, who Kiffin says still not yet cleared, unfortunately. Talked about uh, the Ole Miss defense and Sam Williams, who had been suspended. Now he's back on the team. He's their best pass rusher. And then uh, he kind of discusses uh, facing this Florida defense that uh, was particularly stingy, he thought, last year. Yeah, Lane, it's been asked pretty much every week, mostly by me. Um, but what, what's the update on Otis Reese and if he's gotten clear or not? 
Unfortunately, we still do not have an answer. Um, we've not got an answer from the NCAA. Your sin's got to go SEC after that. So, you know, kind of makes it difficult, um, you know, because of trying to plan and, and figuring out, you know, um, same with Leonard. You know, here's two guys that potentially would be starters for us that we don't know what to do and we're trying to practice to really we only got two practices left really Tuesday and Wednesday so sure it'd be nice to know hey Lane you were talking about <clears throat> turnovers and and not as quite the consistency you wanted to see on your from your quarterbacks as of late what have you saw from your what have you seen from your defense uh, have they been more consistent as camp has gone on and how do you evaluate them at this time? I think defense early was hit with COVID, especially in the secondary. So um, they've continued to improve. We did not play well that first scrimmage at all. And we really have, have played better every single week. So, um, and Saturday was really good. Now, obviously the quality of opponents, not SEC opponent, um, but they did about as good as you can. Specifically, Sam Williams, how has he come back into the team? What What is his game speed like right now? Where, where do you see there? Um, he's doing really well. Still some conditioning work to be done. You know, just missing the time. But, you know, like we talked about Robinson, I think this will be someone that continues to improve through the year, you know, just from missing some time. Lane, can, can you speak generally about the challenges uh, you guys are going to face Saturday with Florida? Well, I think team speed, you know, they're always fast, always have been, um, you know, especially at skill. And so, you know, you look, there's a lot of games, people aren't scoring a lot of points last year against these guys. And they held a lot of people down, um, you know, I want to say under 20, 24 points. So um, there's a big challenge there. And, you know, our first game having no, no spring practice, you know, there's going to be challenges there as well for everyone. You don't have to quarantine if you don't test, Mike. You think uh, Kiffin found a loophole? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe that's uh, that's the trick there. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Kiffin, you know, it seemed like he was – maybe he was so sad because he'd been studying this damn Florida tape or something, but he didn't seem uh, too enthusiastic for his home opener here against uh, the Gators, did he? No. No. I'm telling you, this – I'm so over this damn COVID stuff. Did you watch the <clears throat> what was it, Oklahoma State game with uh, that stupid coach Gundy when he was going off the, the side? Did you see that at halftime? No, I missed it. What happened? That, okay. So you know how a reporter will grab him there at the half and like talk to him about, you know, how terrible the team's doing, whatever. And then he says a good couple comments and then he runs off to the locker room. It's mm -hmm. like a typical, like they, I guess they have to, you know, right. We, we've seen Nick Saban do this and, and get a little upset, you know? <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, instead of going up to him with the mic, they made sure that they were at least six feet apart. They put a speaker beside coach Gundy. And so the, the lady's trying to tell or ask him a couple of questions. He can't hear. Finally, the speaker kicks in and now you can hear her echoing like they're six, they're literally right <laughs> next to each other. Just go next to him and say, Hey, I got my mask on and this is my question or whatever. 
You know, it's so dumb. And then you, you hear these interviews, like, for instance, you, you heard the Dan Mullen one. Play it back. It sounds like he's ordering something from Wendy's, you know, because they can't be in the same room with each other. So, you know, I just <laughs> it drives me nuts. I watched the Clemson game. Did you see how they were sitting? They were, like, all vertical, you know, like that, like they had six feet apart, but, like, it wasn't like spaced out. It was somebody was sitting right behind you. And so it looked like lines. If you watch the Clemson game and it's like somebody made a joke online saying, okay, coronavirus can't go vertically. Thank God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, we're doing all these little things and it's just, come on, man, what are we doing? So just, just play. We're, we're out there. The kids are out there playing, you know, this seems like, where everything's ha I mean, we've done this for two weeks. The only bad reactions we had with COVID is because that team jumped on the party bus, you know, and, <laughs> and co Coach Norvale, you know, and he's just probably hiding, you know, <laughs> <laughs> telling his boss he's got it so he doesn't come in there and explain why he lost to Georgia Tech. That sucks. So, um, anyway, I'm sorry. Voodoo's kicking in. I'll let you get back to it. I don't even know where we're at. Well, let's, uh, hey, you went from one rant to another. Let's uh, skip on down to Starkville. Mike Leach met with the media to preview LSU, you know, the big CBS game of the week here, Mississippi State at LSU. So uh, Coach Leach, you know, kind of, sort of, this is the most weird naming a starting quarterback he's ever done. I don't know if this is technically him naming it or not, but he talked about KJ Costello going to be the guy on preparing for Death Valley. I thought this was great. I mean, he kind of went on a little bit of a tangent like Cousin Shane here. <laughs> on how uh, the all-SEC schedule changes things for his offensive install process. And then I just thought this was great. He was asked about LSU having to replace so many good players, but he knows they got good players in there. He just hopes mm -hmm. they ain't as good. <laughs> also on the depth chart, Coach, uh, KJ and, and Will, it, it, it still has the or uh, between those two. Uh, I, I'm assuming KJ been playing with the ones a lot that, that he might get the starting nod, but just wanted to, to ask, you know, has that been determined officially? Uh, I, I expect KJ to start. Will's doing a great job. I expect KJ to start. Coach, I know a lot of teams simulate noise when they're preparing for a road game. Are you having a way to simulate uh, maybe where 25% is the capacity in practice to maybe <laughs> how that's different from a normal preparation week? Yeah, we kind of treat it like we do practice. Uh, they, they, no, the, the noise um, in the, the, our, uh, our last, uh, and we're going to work on the, the speakers a little, our last uh, stadium deal with the noise, which was uh, last Thursday, um, <clears throat> it was loud-ish. Uh, we want it louder and, then, and, and probably louder than maybe some of the stadiums will be, but the biggest reason is is um, – uh, first of all, it's my hope that these stadiums aren't empty all year long. And I, you know, and I don't know if that may be wishful thinking. And then the other thing is, um, you know, what I like about the noise, even if uh, <clears throat> the stadium's relatively quiet, is you have to be alert on your communication and communicate non-verbally. So uh, this week when we go uh, out there on Thursday, you know, we're going to get this thing uh, – uh, cranking probably illegally loud based on uh, game experience. You know, uh, nobody follows it, but you, everybody's uh, uh, loudspeakers are supposed to be a certain 
you know, only so loud, I guess. Or at least the Pac-12 had a rule like that. Maybe they don't here, but um, <clears throat> you were only supposed to go so loud. And then, of course, when they needed a third down, that thing would get, you know, louder than hell. But um, I, can't I can't hear, hear you. you. I, see I see the, the mouth. mouth. I, I can't, can't hear. hear. There's, There's no words. All right, there we go. Coach, uh, how much has this um, this new schedule with uh, SEC only changed your approach in terms of installing your offense as opposed to maybe starting off with a non-conference opponent? Uh, I think less trial and error. You know, you got. I think we we really got to hone it down and make sure we try to feature what we're best at and put our personnel in the best position we can. Um, but, you know, and I was inclined that way anyway, but I guess there's less margin of error on it um, because uh, – and, you know, in, in the, the people that sort the schedules or whatever, I don't know who in the SEC has got the toughest schedule, but the toughest schedule that's ever been played in the history of college football is going to be one of the teams in the SEC this year. You know, 10 for 10 straight SEC teams, no non-conference. Uh, that, 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 that's that's going to be the toughest schedule that's ever been played in uh, in college football. Steve, go ahead. Coach, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a different team down in Baton Rouge. What are your early thoughts about LSU? You know, yeah. what's what's tough about them, um, you know, because you know they got quality players and quality coaches. Uh, but what's tough about them is, um, is uh, you know, there's going to be some change in, uh, you know, some of what they do scheme-wise on both sides of the ball you know, maybe subtle changes, but there is going to be some change. And then um, the other thing is, uh, just like I was asked earlier about our team, um, you know, they have some new faces too. And uh, I hope those new faces are worse than the guys that left, okay? And, um, but, uh, you know, intellectually, I know some of them will be better, uh, but it's the same thing. So as far as just saying, you know, this position, that position, the other position, um, that's tougher with them now than it is sometimes because they do have a number of new faces. All right, Shane. So this is what we were hoping to get from uh, Coach Leach when we got him down here in the yeah. SEC. Now we're waiting to see, you know, the rest of it. This offensive production after several years here of, uh, you know, Mississippi State offense just not looking very good at all. So the hope is that Coach Leach can get this thing revved up pretty quick. But uh, what what was your main takeaway from what he had to say here? <laughs> Just when they were asking about LSU, I was like, he don't even know the names of the players on his own team. <laughs> he was on LSU's team. He's like, you know, going to have new faces. I just hope, you know, they're just not as good as the ones that were there. You know, so, I, I, I don't know. It's just good to hear the pirate man, you know, he's got something up his sleeve and you know, he does. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, I'm so excited. Probably like out of all the games, other than, of course, Tennessee, because I'm, I'm a huge Tennessee homer, I'm looking forward to this because I want to see if his offense can work in the SEC. And now it's going to be going against an LSU defense that is getting hopped up coming into the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'll add this, too, to just kind of give a window into just how at ease Leach was. You know, so a lot of these coaches have a Coke bottle on the podium there. Saban, Kirby, a, a lot of them. Yeah. And, and it's just branding is what it is. But when Leach was done, he, he took it. He's like, I can keep this, right? And he's just like, 
<laughs> He's like, this is my favorite part of it. Besides talking to you people, I get a Coke afterwards. It's just like, I mean, he's just, either he is uh, just doesn't care at all, or he just doesn't have a care in the world, you know? And I think that's, uh, I think that's going to serve Mississippi State well going into this game on CBS, defending national champions, you know, you know, the Tigers are going to be fired up. Their fans are be going crazy. Coach O just on 60 minutes, all the attention in the world. And here we got Coach Leach, you know, look looking at the butterflies. You know what I mean? I, I think it's going to serve Mississippi State really well this year. Didn't he, didn't he just land a recruit too? Pretty big recruit. Yeah, he uh former Ole Miss commit. So, I mean, yeah. Mike Leach is recruiting circles around Lane Kiffin at the moment. Already at work, son. All right, uh, so we're talking Mississippi State. Let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where Coach O previewed the matchup against Mississippi State. And, of course, you know, there's going to be all eyes on Miles Brennan. After waiting so long, he's finally going to get his chance. Coach O talks about that, on what motivates him after winning it all last season, on the challenge of preparing for this Mississippi State team and Coach Leach and not having, you know, any film on any of these guys working together. And then I thought this was pretty interesting. He talked about the running backs on his team, including uh, Chris Curry, a guy we forgot about last time, yeah. being the strength of this offense this year. Uh, I've always believed in Miles Brennan. Uh, I think he's an excellent young man. He waited his turn, a lot of respect. Uh, has a um, strong arm, probably a stronger arm than Joe Burrow had. Uh, can extend plays with his feet, not quite like Joe did. Uh, is learning the offense. I think the spring uh, kind of hurt for him not being with us, uh, for us not practicing with his receivers. But I think he did a good job of catching up during COVID and catching up in the summertime. Uh, he was very accurate with the football in all three scrimmages. The only thing that we don't know, and I do believe that he's going to do very well, is how he's going to do in the fire. And uh, the only way to know that is put him in the fire. I, I, I trust Miles. He's become a team leader. A short passing game is his strength. Uh, the deep ball is something that he is very good at, but I think that takes time for him and his receivers to get the timing down, and hopefully we can improve on that throughout the year. Hope you can hear me okay. Yeah. Um, kind of going off of that, one thing that stood out to me about Joe Burrow last year was that physically, especially when he would take off and run, he was able to take the, the physical punishment if he did take those shots. How confident are you that, that Miles Brennan is out of weight? You know, when he came to us about a buck seventy, I was worried about it. And now he's about two eighteen, so I think that you know he's prepared himself. He's got strong in the weight room. I think he's going to be, he's going to handle it well. He's going to be different than Joe. You know, Joe went to run you over. I think Miles is going to be smart, going to run out bounds when he needs to, um, dive when he needs to, whatever he needs to do, not to get hurt. And I'm going to tell him to do the same thing. But I think that when it comes down to taking a hit, he's going to be fine. He's going to bounce back. But you know what? He's going to have to do it time and time again. Hopefully he doesn't get a hit a lot. But in the SEC, you're playing very good defenses, and you can expect your quarterbacks to have to take hits. Hey, Coach Osher on Garland Gillen from Fox State, New Orleans. Uh, first off, I thought you and Coco did very well on that uh, 60 Minutes interview last night. I knew, I had no doubt Coco was going to try to steal the show there. I was reminded watching that again. I know we talked about what happened to USC and you got passed over. Um, and there's other times where you feel like you weren't, you haven't gotten your deal. I know you talk about it as a team, but personally, what is that carrot in front of you right now? What keeps you going? 
Oh. Everybody's got something that they feel somebody's doubting them. And when you're on those jobs yeah. and when you're boxing at the gym, what keeps you going every single day that you know there's some person doubting LSU in your program? No, I kind of love it. You know, I call it internal fuel. I digest it. It makes me want to work harder. And, you know, there's questions. You know, hey, they lost Joe Brady. They lost Joe Burrow. They lost Jamar Chase. You hear it all. And, uh, you know, we know what goes on here. We know it's the core of our, of our program here. Uh, I've got some great coaches. We've got some great players. We believe in ourselves. But you know what? At LSU, the standards are very high. The expectations are very high. You've got to prove yourself here every game, every day. So that's what I enjoy about being here, that everybody expects you to win, expects you to be great. And that's, that's the type of school you want to be at. Uh, you know, the COVID-19 was was an uh, advantage for us in some ways that we wasn't out in spring recruiting and we were able to game plan all of our, all of our teams on all our schedule. I think uh, Mississippi State was maybe the eighth game on the schedule and we had already had game plan. So you got to look at Washington State for scheme on offense. You got to look at San Diego State scheme for defense. And then you got to look at Mississippi State for personnel. So you're really scouting three different teams, so it's three times the work. And obviously, Coach Leach has done a great job wherever he's at. He presents a challenge. But you know, I think our guys have a pretty, uh, a pretty good handle of what we're going to do on off- what they're going to do on offense, what are they going to do on defense and special teams. But just like any first game, there's going to be in-game adjustments. There's going to be new stuff. There'll be new plays. There'll be new defenses. Uh, there'll be new personnel. We just got to do a great job of adjusting on the sideline. Hey, Coach, uh, does Curry have a, a great chance of, uh, of starting? Or how do you see that? Yeah, I think Chris is going to be the first back in. But I, I consider him, Tyron, and John all starters. I think that they're going to get equal reps. I think they're going to do things very well. And they're going to complement each other. And I think that, uh, you know, eventually as the season goes on, let's see who our lead back is. But throughout the camp, if I had to say a, there's a lead back, it would be Chris Curry. I think he had a tremendous camp, but so did the other two guys. They're, they're very explosive. We talked about it this morning. Uh, if we would have one strength on our offense, then we feel that it is the running back group led by Kevin Falk, who's done a tremendous job. Kavantre Bradford is an outstanding uh, running back, and so is Josh Williams. We gave him a, a young man from Houston. We gave him a scholarship. So we feel that we have five backs that can go in the game and do very well. Hey, Coach, Andrew Doak with uh, CBS in New Orleans one more time. A two-parter, if I could. When it comes to Eric Gilbert, is there a, a college or pro prototype that he kind of reminds you of? Well, Eric Gilbert, I haven't had a tight end like him in, in my coaching career. Uh, some people compare him to Calvin Johnson. I'm not comparing him to Calvin Johnson. I don't, I don't want to put too much on him, but he's that type of football player and has that type of body and can do those type of things. Now, obviously, will he pan out to be like that or not? Nobody knows. But he is, he is similar in stature and similar in skill set to Calvin Johnson. All right, Shane. So, Coach O, I mean, he's living the high life. He's on 60 Minutes. He's going to be, uh, you know, you know they're going to do some kind of championship celebration thing here on Saturday, I would imagine, pregame. So, you know, he's living the good life in Baton Rouge. Of course, he's got a game here to concentrate on. But uh, what was your main takeaway from what Coach O had to say? Just kind of the same thing. I think this LSU was so great last year, and it's just they're tired of living in that shadow. It's it's been almost a year now, and Joe's already played a couple of games in the NFL. It's time to move on. And I think 
I think that's what, you know, they want to make it look more than just like a one hit wonder. They, they want you to know, I, I think coach really wants you to know that LSU is, a, is a brand and it's, it's an elite brand that, you know, over the last few seasons has struggled at times. And he wants to come out and remind the nation that they are a, an elite contender every single year. They got a lot to prove, man. And I, I know that's crazy coming off a national championship, but that's just the vibe I get when I hear the players and I hear the coaches talk. Yeah, and you know we do talk about you know teams like Arkansas, Missouri didn't get any favors by the SEC schedule. I think LSU did, particularly if they can get past Mississippi State. They got Vanderbilt, Missouri the next two weeks before they play Florida. So there's a really good chance here that LSU is going to get off to a fast start, and you know some of these players are going to get you know hyped up as the next generation and all this before they have to really go out there and, and beat some of the best and the best in the SEC. So, you know, it's it's set up really well here. It all comes down to this LSU, or excuse me, this Mississippi State game, though. They've got to perform well in the opener. Otherwise, Mississippi State could just sneak up and get them. You know what? This is a huge week, Mike. It's it's a huge week for all SEC teams. Uh, all the spotlight will be on, the, on us. And uh, a lot of people will have – well, you know, it's like they don't remember what you did in November or September, you know. It's <laughs> right. like they do on your opening game. So if you come out and you just look like garbage, they're all going to say, well, LSU ain't got it, you know. Mm-hmm. And if they come out firing on all cylinders, Miles Brennan looks good, you know. Coach is talking him up like he can th- like he can play. He's put some weight on. But he's clear to say that this is a different type of offense, you know. Miles is not Joe. Uh, Eric Gilbert is not Chase. There's there's a lot of things that are different, but you know there's a lot of great great comments here, and and there's a lot of a lot of positive things to look at LSU, and it's almost like LSU has something to prove this year. And I don't want to call it like a revenge tour, but I swear every time that anybody asks a question, they're comparing something from 2019. Man, this is a this isn't 19 team. This is 2020, and there are a lot of new faces, like Coach Leach says. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, I think these boys got a lot to prove, and it's all going to start week one. All right, Shane, so that's all I've got around the league now. Again, keep in mind, we've got several other matchups, so we're going to talk about those on the next show once we get the rest of the SEC head coaches on the record here. But, uh, hey, before we jumped off, you talked about the lines. I'll just share the, uh, the latest gambling lines courtesy of mybookie.ag. Uh, Alabama currently favored by 27 on the road at Missouri. Mississippi State at LSU. LSU a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Tennessee at South Carolina. Tennessee is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Kentucky at Auburn. Auburn's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Georgia on the road at Arkansas, 26-point favorite for the Bulldogs. Florida, 14-and-a-half favored at Ole Miss. And then last but not least, Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. The Aggies, a 30-and-a-half point favorite in that matchup. And I think it was Tom Hart that said, you know, this was the first time we've ever had three SEC games with Mm -hmm. the spread 20, I think it was 25 or over in the conference slate. So, hey, we're getting SEC football, but they're expecting, you know, some, some pretty wide margins here at least in the mm-hmm. spread. So 
we may be having to uh, get our excitement on the gambling line more than anything in some of these matchups. You know what? It's going to be a tough year to gamble, Mike, but I really do feel like it's my season. You know, <laughs> last year was bad. I get it. I get it. And so far this season, it's horrible. But I'm just, I don't know. It's just up, man. I feel like I'm due, and I feel like this is my year. So I'm not going to count those stupid Cobb salad games. Those are out, Mike. We're talking SEC football. The fillets are here, and I'm ready to do some gambling. Absolutely, man. I can't wait for it. So remember, if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind just going a step further, giving us that five-star written review. We got koozies from all around the SEC just as a way of saying thanks. And, of course, Shane reads those at the end of the week. So (laughs) you got anything else, buddy, before we hop off here? Yeah, uh, real quick, I'm going to rank this beer as a just – two no i'm just kidding uh, i'll give it like a, a safety huh <laughs> five a 5.8 it's intense it's an intense beer uh the buzz is nice and i think that's why i'm a little higher than i should be mm-hmm. but uh you know maybe i suck at beer i i just i don't know if it's an acquired taste thing or something like that you know i i'm 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 on the edge of just quitting and going back to my roots mm. and uh i know i know I, but i paid a lot of good money i've got about 15 more of these colorful beers in here <laughs> we're going to run them if i can't find one mike i may be out of the game i'm just <laughs> I, I may be back to the bullet you got to uh, <laughs> it sounds like you need people to keep recommending beers you need to go with their recommendations yeah, but that requires buying more. I just bought like all these IPAs and all these fancy, colorful cans, and it's like, are, am I the only one drinking this thing? I don't know if that's why I got a good deal on them, or I don't know. But anyway, Mike, I, I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Uh, I'm still undefeated while drinking them and picking SEC games. So I'm going to keep doing that. But if I start losing, I may I may have to mix things up. So, But, hey, Mike, it's good talking to you. It's great talking about college football. I'm so excited, man. I mean, I am. I'm so damn chipper. You sent me these clips over, and I just got so excited when they're talking about the different teams. And Because it's here, man. It's here. We're, we're embracing. We don't know what's going to last. You know, Coach Leach is talking about he doesn't know if there's going to be, uh, you know, fans in the stands at the end of the season. He hopes that there will be. I hope that there will be. But, you know, we don't know how many games we're actually going to get to play this year. So enjoy. Soak up every damn minute of it because this is a long. This is the longest you ever had to wait for college football, SEC football. And uh, I, I'm just, I, I just feel like we're blessed to see it. So I'm pumped up, Mike. I'm ready to go. Yes, sir. And uh, remember, we're going to have a bunch of interviews lined up in the next couple of days. So that will be coming to a preview mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, team seasons and everything like that from – people that uh, cover them on location there across the SEC. So looking forward to that. It's going to be a big week here on that SEC podcast, Shane. That's going to do it, though, for this one. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. Be Gamecocks. God, maybe these dark beers are like acquired taste. <laughs> I'm just <clears throat> struggling. I'm struggling, man. I mean, I I killed this one just so that I could get it over with. Oh yeah, well, that, you know see, what I'm that's saying. A big problem. You, you're supposed to baby those. No, I am not babying that. That was nasty. <laughs> so.
I, I'm, I may get up here, man, grab me in their cores. 